1: Coming up today on The Story. This happens to a lot of folks. They're just not where they need to be. Uh, If I want to swim in the ocean, I have to go there. If I want to go for a bushwalk, I I have to go there. I can't go on a bushwalk in my backyard. You have to centre yourself where you're celebrated, not tolerated. The Story.
0: The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. We'll get ready for a big dose of encouragement from our first guest today, Pastor Chris Maynard from Queensland. Chris is the founder of Active Christian Ministries and is passionate about helping people find their full potential in life. He's having a chat and sharing his enthusiasm with his good friend, Karen Hunt
2: people, Chris, find it harder than others to figure out who they are, you know, how they're wired, what makes them tick. In asking the question, who am I? Who am I really? For you as a young tacker, tell us a little bit about your early days and how you came to discover your own giftings and your own talents, how you yourself are wired.
1: I had every reason to be confused as a young lad. If it wasn't for the local church, Uh, good Bible teaching and a pastor that was like a father to me. I don't don't know that I, well I may not have found my place in this world at all Uh, I I think the church is a genuine place for people to find who they are. My mum was a beautiful woman she uh, uh, had uh, difficulty with alcohol and my mum and dad split up when I was very young and and uh there were some real challenges you know um difficulties uh, no money in the home most of the time and, and uh but i had my local church i had my church family as well who loved uh, my mother and i uh so much and out of that you know the holy spirit worked in my life and Took me on my personal journey of discovering who I
2: am. So, how old would you have been when you think you discovered that?
1: Looking back, I knew my calling at the age of 17, but that was where I woke up to that realization. I was already operating in who I was prior to that, but I woke up and realized hang on, this is who I am, this is my calling. However, engaging that in my life, practicing that in my life, all came with maturity and learning the things of God and ensuring that uh, I didn't spend my time in other areas that I may have been good at. I needed to spend my life in the areas that God had called me to and wired me to. Often, you know, you, you look at birds that fly to the south Uh, they don't question why they're going there. They just go there. Salmon don't get upset because they've got to swim upstream and bears don't become cranky because they have to hibernate. It's wired within them who they are. And I was looking at this word instinct. It's such an interesting word. In fact, the word instinct, according to the dictionary, says an inborn pattern of behavior that is characteristic Of a species, oh my goodness, when you look at what that is, God has hardwired you, (laughs) me, to be individual in every way and uh, exploring that full potential is very, very exciting, not so mysterious at all
2: Chris, let me ask you, when you were a teenager, when you were a young man, what were you good at? What was your instinctive nature? Back then Do <laughs> mm? well, well, share <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well I was uh, I was drawn What's interesting was I was drawn to Music very much uh, I guess a lot of teenagers Are uh, I was drawn to drums And all that sort of thing and I thought well maybe I'll be a, You know I'll be a Drummer for God for the rest of my life What really was the prevailing draw in my life, was encouraging others, uh, reaching out to others and uh, found that I was pastoring people long before people called me a pastor. Long before I would get on my push bike visiting people. And you know the thing is, I didn't feel weary doing what I felt called to do. In fact, at the time, I didn't. I wouldn't have related it to a calling. I just wanted to do it. Later on, I called it my calling, but I was doing what I felt passionate to do. Of course, I didn't have my license, and so when I got my license, it was wonderful. I, I would help on a motorbike or drive the car out and visit people. What's interesting was it was after that, I remember talking to Pastor Ted Watson. I said, I find myself wanting to do this. What does this mean? And I was quite confused by it because I was wanting to visit people, wanting to help people, wanting to pray for people, just drawn to that. And then he explained to me that this was part and parcel of my calling, but also my wiring. He said, I think you are gifted as an encourager, I think you're a motivator and all that sort of thing. I sat there listening to him explain who I was. And it confirmed everything that I had already been doing.
2: Chris, were you being encouraged yourself as a young man?
1: Oh, I was. Absolutely. In fact, I would suggest I was out of most of the friends young friends I had at church, I was probably the most likely to completely fail at whatever I was going to do. I I, I didn't feel overly gifted at very much at all. People around me were very gifted and yet being in that church environment, my
3: pastor
1: was so forgiving. Uh, the first time he asked me to lead praise and worship, I I did an altar call after the first song. And I remember he said to me, you know, Chris, we might need to speak about a bit of wisdom next time you get up to <laughs> lead praise and worship. And they were so encouraging, so helpful that... Uh, that just meant a whole world to me.
2: What would you say to a young person today who maybe doesn't have that environment, doesn't have the people uh, in his or her life to speak life, to speak encouragement?
1: Yeah, yeah well, this happens to a lot of, lot of folks. They're just not where they need to be. Uh, if I want to swim in the ocean, I have to go there. If I want to go for a bushwalk, I, I have to go there. I can't go on a bushwalk in my backyard. Mind you, if you look at my backyard today with the grass, you might think it's possible. <laughs> uh, you have to centre yourself where you're celebrated, not tolerated. Mm. And that's an important mm. aspect to life. That's and a good line. potential. Absolutely. Uh, if I want the cool, fresh breeze of mountain air, well, I'll drive up to tambourine mountain where our church is oh it's a beautiful place you know Mm -hmm. you'll find some beautiful rainforest walk around and like i said if i want to you know go surfing well i have to be there there are many christians looking for friends they're looking for encouragement they're wanting to explore their full potential and you know if you're a musician well you need to lock in with the musicians in your local church if if you need friends, you need to lock in with a home group, a life group. Uh, lock in, center yourself where it was the best opportunity for God to bless you. And I was very blessed that it just happened automatically for me. However, there have been times, for example, I wanted to be a pastor. And I felt at the time that the thing I could do was position myself to learn and grow. So I went to Bible college. Uh, I I don't think everybody needs to be a pastor. I don't think everybody needs to be a teacher. In fact, I'm glad not everybody is. When I take my car down to a mechanic, I'm glad he's not a pastor. I'm glad he's a
2: mechanic. (laughs) And not everybody has to go to Bible college.
1: Not everybody has to go to Bible college to fulfill their calling in the things of the Lord. First of all, a lot of this is about positioning. I've been studying this whole thing about how God has wired us to be. And I believe the Holy Spirit works in partnership with our internal wiring to help us arrive to our full potential for who we really are. And I think people are confused by that. When we look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we find love, joy, peace, kindness, but prior to that we discover that the Bible warns us not to be involved with the things of the flesh that war against his work within our life. I am so convinced that the Holy Spirit enables us and works with us uh, so that where we are joyful or the peace of God, that goodness of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, adjusts our mind, adjusts our thinking, adjusts our lifestyle where... Our natural instinct to where we need to be will be unrestrained. We won't feel inhibited any longer. And Karen, there's just so much that distracts us from who we are meant to be to be. I I think there's so much teaching on leadership today that there are some folks who think that they should be a leader. Well, in some respects, everybody's a leader, but there's so much emphasis on it. I think even that can distract people from who they really are. In other words, I don't believe we should be a carbon copy of someone else. If, If we can describe it, then God can define it, and he can define it as we fellowship with the Lord and walk in the Holy Spirit in our daily life.
2: Well, you can tell you're an encourager, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, and that's an interesting thing.
2: The passion uh, in your voice is admirable.
1: Well, you know, the Bible says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, and this is, this is interesting, that you may prove what is good Now, think of this in line with how we're wired, our instinct, our natural wiring as a person. What am I meant to be doing with my life, Lord? Well, think of this. Do not be conformed to the world, the world that wants to push you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God.
3: Mm -hmm. Wow.
2: Chris, I like on your Facebook page, Active Christian Ministries, you put this little post not long ago which says, passion produces energy, producing momentum.
1: Absolutely.
2: You mentioned it's so amazing what can be achieved with enough passion for results. You're a results man, aren't you?
1: Well, people are confused about what, and, uh, you know, when I say that, and I remember writing that, uh, there are people that have come to me and said, but how do I know what my passion is. Well, the truth is you are naturally hardwired to go in a particular direction. It's just that there are distractions in our life that pull us away, that, that try to conform us to another image other than the image that God created us to be. When we find ourselves in fellowship, find ourselves walking in the Holy Spirit, find ourselves reading the Word of God and nourishing our mind, nourishing our Christian life uh, what automatically happens is we are drawn uh, I was talking to a lady a couple of days ago who is a wonderful artist and she does this beautiful pen work I, I haven't seen anything like it before and I said you have to go in this direction this is what you do you know she has no trouble exploring that my passion as all Christians should be the things of God and out of that we find our natural wiring not everyone's going to be a preacher not everyone's going to be a teacher and neither should they uh, not everyone will be a radio announcer like you but I know this I would feel like a fish out of water if somebody said we'd like you to become you know a great tennis player or <laughs> you know a great swimmer uh, that's just not gonna happen for me. I'm not gonna, it's not gonna wake me up in the morning. Uh, the things that you are passionate about are the things that you could wake up in the morning and go with and enjoy and love. And out of that, you produce great energy. And out of that, enormous momentum is built in your life. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is,
2: there is liberty. Amen, brother. Wow. <laughs> How good is that? Don't love that one?
1: Amen.
0: That was Karen Hunt having a chat with Pastor Chris Maynard. And his enthusiasm is definitely contagious. He shared some wonderful words of wisdom and encouragement for all of us. He is the founder of Active Christian Ministries, and you can visit their website at activechristianministries.com. Next, we're going to get to know another good friend of Karen Hunt's, Helen Saul. Karen and Helen were rookie teachers together back in the day. However, Karen is here in Australia, while Helen has gone overseas to teach missionary kids in Papua New Guinea. We'll find out her story when we return. The Story You're listening to The Story. Before the break, we heard the passionate Chris Maynard share some encouraging words. Next, teacher Helen Saul tells why she is passionate about helping missionaries share the gospel in Papua New Guinea.
2: I am more than happy to introduce to you a dear old friend of mine. It's Helen Sahlg. Our history goes back a long way. We uh, we were rookie teachers together. We were sent to Harvey Bay and uh, spent a number of years as um, single girls sharing a groovy cool townhouse right there at Torquay Beach. And Helen's now with her husband Max and her wonderful family up in Papua New Guinea.
3: Helen, welcome. Tell us what you're doing. Thanks, Karen. Um, we work with Wycliffe Bible Translators and we're actually school teachers, so we teach missionary kids, kids of the parents who have come to do Bible translation or to support Bible translation.
2: Okay, and how long has it been now, Helen, since you've been up there doing this?
3: We're coming up to 14 years. 14 years. Has it been that long already? We went for two and it's coming up to 14. Wow.
2: So, Helen, for those who don't quite know what Bible translation is, tell us about the scene
3: there in Papua New Guinea And how hard really is the work? Well, PNG has the highest concentration of languages of any country in the world. There's 800 individual languages in the country. And so the task of Bible translation is enormous for the country. It's been really exciting for us because in the last 14 years while we've been there, 100 languages have received the New Testament in their language. And so we're seeing the fruit of the labors of all those that have gone before us. And there were 100 completed before we got there. So two 200 languages have received the New Testament. And so that's representing thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, but there's still at least 300 languages that don't have any scripture portions at all. And so that's where the task is to continue with that.
2: And while you've been up there, Helen, you've had four beautiful kids. You've raised three boys
3: and a girl. So what's it been like for your kids being raised in Papua New Guinea? Fabulous! We have a great school. There's about 140 kids in the high school and similar number in the primary school. It's a multicultural community. People have come from all over the world to work. There's probably 20 countries represented, as well as Papua New Guineans. So we have this multicultural, uh, linguistic little community that we live in. About 500. 500- Yeah, we we work and we go to school and uh, do the normal kinds of things, but all with the common purpose of seeing the Bible translated. So now your dear hubby Max, what's his role in the school? Okay, well, he was teaching there for the first 10 years and then he went into administration and so he's been principal of both the schools for the last four years. And this is
2: in Ukarumpa, have I said it right? Ukarumpa.
3: Ukarumpa, not quite correct. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) And yourself? Uh, and I've been teaching, well since our kids are into school now, I've been teaching uh, science classes to the upper level kids in, Science? Well, it's anatomy and physiology so it comes underneath science Right, and because I must great. say, Helen was a PE teacher Yeah, well that's where the anatomy and physiology comes yes, in. Yes, and uh, definitely a wonderful home ec
2: teacher, you've taught mm. actually many different things.
3: Well, you know that's the thing about going to work in a small place, the opportunities for work are many and uh, you often find that you go into a different role To what you might have gone for mm, And I know Max and Helen's hearts well And I'm sure that your teaching Goes way beyond the curriculum of any books Oh well we have the privilege Of being able to teach a Christian worldview In yep. our school And we find that the kids that we're teaching Become the next generation of missionaries Because they've grown up in a developing country They see the needs uh, They see God at work It's very exciting to work with them
2: So Helen, share with our listeners What took you and Max into the whole Bible translation focus for your life?
3: Okay, well, I had no desire to go to Papua New Guinea And uh, I was sitting in church um, Oh, Let me go back a little bit Uh, We had two small children and I was at home And uh, I was conscious that God had a plan for my life and I didn't want to ignore that plan. So I just started to pray and say, God, I really want to be where you want us to be. And so then after praying that I was able to relax in knowing that He's going to answer that prayer. And so then probably a couple of years later, I was sitting in church and a good friend of ours who's been working in Papua New Guinea for over 30 years, he said that they needed teachers so that the Bible translators would be able to stay in the country and know that their kids are getting a good education. Well, God just shot Max and I through the heart that day. We didn't know that about the other. And so we went home a little nervous about what the other might say when we uh, announced this, only to find out that it was it. had happened to both of us and from that point on we knew that that was what we had to do. We didn't know anything about Bible translation, we just knew that we needed to be teachers at this school, Ukarumpa in PNG.
2: So Helen, we've learnt that you're in Papua New Guinea and I know there are a lot of Aussies doing missionary work there. I know of people in Bougainville, in Madang
3: so is there a great Aussie Christian community up there? Oh, there is, and uh, it's amazing how important your home country becomes to you when you live in another country. Mm. But we've also grown to appreciate people from other countries and and we uh, have strengths and weaknesses in each of our cultures and so you get to see some amazing kind of qualities in other people that you'd like to take on board for yourself.
2: I know there's lots of Wycliffe missionaries all around the world and I went to a training day once for cross-cultural communications And I got to meet many international Wycliffe folk in the one place. And I just found this one on the website. It says, Wally shared a story of a Muslim man that he'd met who'd found Jesus by reading a picture Bible to his sick son in hospital. Upon hearing of Jesus' healing someone, the boy asked his father, Dad, can you pray to Jesus to make me better? And the father did. And when he was miraculously healed the next day, the whole family rejoiced and chose to believe in the power and love of Christ. Helen, tell us about the power of the scriptures that are going out to the native people through Bible translation in Papua New Guinea.
3: Well, just the power of being able to read God's Word, um, there's a story. A man who was helping to translate into his language said that when I read the Bible in English, so he had some education, he said it's like trying to have a drink out of a cup that has a lid on. So you know there's something good inside there, but you just... Can't get to it. And he said, when I read it in Talk Pigeon, which is the trade language of PNG, it's like uh, being having the lid lifted a little bit and being able to get a sip and it tastes good, but it doesn't really quench my thirst. When I read it in my own language, it's like removing the lid and drinking deeply yeah. of what's inside.
2: Yeah, great description. I love it. It's making me a bit thirsty, actually. Beyond the cup of coffee, I think I need a nice glass of water. Helen, I just had a brain spark. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. Can you
3: share that verse in Pidgin English? Okay. Uh Papa God, emi like him, me too mass So emi salim, pikanini boy belong in long, give him... So, Emmy, die, long, D-Y cross, long, give him life, long, me. Ah, well done. Fantastic job, Helen. Foundational to everything
2: you do, I'm sure. We'll wrap things up soon, but a main thing for you is to take the gospel to the people in Papua New Guinea through Bible translation. So for those here in Australia right now who don't know themselves how to connect or reconnect with God even, can you tell us what is the gospel and how do you think people should respond to it?
3: The gospel is that we are separated from God and he has provided a way for us to come back to him and that way is through Jesus, only through Jesus. And so we need to know who he is so that we can put our trust in him. Helen Saul,
2: we shared some fun news quite a while ago, but it's really special to have you join me in the studio. Love to you, love to Max. Love to your gorgeous kids, and I wish you well as you return to PNG. God bless you, my friend. Thanks.
0: That was Karen Hunt chatting with her good friend and fellow teacher, Helen Saal about what she's doing to help missionaries spread the gospel in Papua New Guinea. To find out more about Wycliffe Bible Translators and the wonderful work they are doing in PNG and other parts of the world, the website is wycliffe.org.au. That's Wycliffe. Dot org.au. As the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And that is exactly what they're doing. And we just want to say a big thank you to all the Bible translators who are tirelessly working in remote areas to bring the Word of God to people in their native language, or should I say, in their heart language. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story...
2: So I went in there and it was full of Christian songs and Christian literature and books and Bibles and this little woman at the counter she called me over, she said, come over here dear, come over here. So I went over there and she put her hand on top of my hand and I felt like a 20 kilo rock and I just thought, I can't move my hand.
0: Margaret Zimmerman is living proof that you can't judge a book by its cover. She is a wonderful Christian lady who loves the Lord and so it's hard to believe that at one point in her life she was a practicing witch, a drug addict and had spent three years in jail for robbery. How did this miraculous change come about in Margaret's life? We'll hear her story next time. The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.